You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And we host a podcast about the portrayal of women in movies. We sure do. I can't really see you. I know. This is weird. There's a bunch of mics in the way. Here. Here we go. This is better. (laughs) Hi, Jamie. Missed you. So we talk about the representation of women in film and how it's usually bad. Yes, that's our go-to. We mm-hmm. use the Bechtel test as a jumping-out point for discussion, test created by cartoonist Alison Bechtel in the 1980s that features a... That, uh, hey, what? <laughs> what is it? Do you want me to say it? Yeah, I forget. <laughs> the Bechtel test requires that... A movie, let's say, has two female identifying characters in it with names. Yes. They have to speak to each other. And yes. guess what? They should not be talking about men. Can we can we test drive it right now? Please, yes. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Jamie. What's up? There's something about the movie we're discussing today that I found very distracting. What is it? The bone structure of the lead actress was... To, it was too... Does it pass the Bechdel test if I'm body shaming a, a hot woman's face? But I do like okay. The main act. Who is even the main actress in this in this film we're discussing today? Because it looks like her bones were stung by bees. Her like <laughs> her her cheekbones are so out of her face. I believe you're talking about the character Claire, played by Claire. Emmanuel. I don't know what this last name is. Anyways, that did pass the Bechdel test. It did. But again, I don't know why we're judging a woman by her looks or even talking about it. That's that's I mean, but but her her bones did get stung by bees, and I wanted to raise awareness. (laughs) Someone get help for Emmanuel Bilt. Get the bees away from her. Yeah. Anyway, so... um, (laughs) Usually we don't body shame women on the podcast. I was doing I was doing that to prove that the Bechtel test is actually flawed. True. Wow, Jamie. Yes. There was a method. To that. <laughs> it's not a perfect system. No. Mistakes are made. Which is why we always have a larger conversation 
about just the treatment of women in general in the yes. movie. So we are talking about Mission Impossible, and we have a guest here with us, as always. Yes. He is a comedian, a writer, and host of the Cracked Podcast, Baby Alex Dale. Schmidt. Hey, great hi. to be here. Hi, thanks for being hi. here. I'm, I'm so glad to be doing this. I got to go back to the 90s by watching the movie. Mm -hmm. It's great. I'm feeling yeah. really good. So what is your history with Mission Impossible, the movie, the franchise? I'm someone who grew up on a lot of James Bond movies. Mm -hmm. My grandma worked at our local library, and they had only very specific things on VHS. And one of them was the entire James Bond franchise. Mm. And so I saw all of them when I was really, really young. And then I just needed more movies along those lines. And so I got into the Mission Impossible franchise. Oh, nice. Like it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of a filler placeholder for when you're out of James Bond movies. <sighs> You can watch Tom Cruise. This, like, yeah, it's kind of diet James Bond. Yeah. Like, yeah. What if James Bond were American and way shorter? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mission Impossible. And then I feel like when you're out of Mission Impossible movies, you're like, let's see what Jason Bourne is doing. And then Ooh, when you're yeah. out of Jason Bourne, you're like... Because Matt Damon's not even fun to watch. At least Tom <laughs> Cruise is fun to watch. Right. Yeah, well, and, also, and Tom Cruise and Matt Damon are both way bigger stars than basically everyone who's played James Bond except maybe Sean Connery but like right. it's just a much more interesting character somehow James Bond like mm. I feel like especially Ethan Hunt is so he's like a robot <laughs> also his name boy. is Ethan I'm just like yeah. <laughs> I dare like there I'm only going to to sympathize or feel for a character named Ethan to a point <laughs> there's right. just you gotta be a really stellar Ethan <laughs> for me to go the extra mile for you Right, like you can't have a super secret agent named Brayden. You know, I'm not on board. Right. Like, I'm out immediately. Man, people are going to listen to this podcast in 10 years and be like, what's wrong with Ethan? <laughs> Ethan is our president. <laughs> what if we had a president Ethan? That's what I'm saying. It would be confusing. Sure, I, yes. I don't know how the Canadians adjusted to a Justin. Right? Having a That's man a named Justin point. in charge just feels like, is he ready? <laughs> Regardless of how qualified he is, his name's Justin, so is he ready? I don't, I don't know. He sounds like he's 14. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Anyways. Anyway, so you grew up, would you say, with this I'm like, franchise? I'm way into spy movies. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I didn't see this one in theaters because it, it came out in 96, so it didn't quite line up. But mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I saw the rest of them in theaters and also needed to Google all of them to remember the plots or what happens. Well, not yeah. to brag, but in preparation for this episode, she went full dummy. I on went. This one. I went like no way. deep cover into Mission Impossible. She, you were in the mainframe. I hacked into the mainframe. <laughs> I am now a member of the IMF. I'm so excited of like how much we get to talk about hacking today. Can I just say? <laughs> I'm so thrilled. Yeah. There's so much. <laughs> also, the IMF, I think in real life, is some kind of World Bank sort of thing. It's very oh. distracting every time they say it in the movie. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to do loans or something. I don't remember <laughs> that yeah. actually being the name of their organization in the movie. So, okay, so my history is that I, well, I just rewatched all five of them within the span of 48 hours. Wow. Um, brag. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry or proud. I, I don't know. Okay, I like this franchise. Um, it's fun. I, yeah, I have fun with it. I don't love it. I don't think they're cinematic masterpieces, but especially as they go on, I think they get better. And I enjoy like Ghost Protocol, especially. I liked yeah. Rogue Ghost Nation. Ghost Protocol is 
my son's name. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because that's my stripper name. That's so. <laughs> And they both can be president. Right. It's true. President, president. Ethan. <laughs> Go, Ethan, my president. <laughs> but um, I similarly grew up with this franchise. So the first one came out in 96. I was 10, so I don't think I saw it right away. I think by, I saw it when I was like 12. Um, if you had asked me at that age what my favorite song was, I would have told you it was the Mission Impossible theme song. It's a very good theme song. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Like James Bond. It just works. Yeah. And then uh, I did see Mission Impossible 2 in theaters at a drive-in movie theater. No way. In whatever year that was. And if you had asked me that year what my favorite movie was, I would have told you Mission Impossible 2, even though that movie stinks and wow. is bad. But then, and then all the other ones I saw, like in theaters, I enjoy them, and I'm excited about Fallout coming out. So, yeah, I would say I have a certain soft spot for Mission Impossible. Yeah, and it's also it's like the Fast and Furious franchise where it's gotten better lately mm-hmm. too. Like they're on an upswing. So with a new one coming out, I'm stoked. See, I, I tapped see out at Tokyo Drift. I think I haven't seen any that ones is, past. Tokyo Drift is wait, is that was that a joke? No, Fast and the Fierce. Oh, we're talking. Wait, I just got so confused. (laughs) Can I Mission Impossible Tokyo Drift? Can I can I say something about this movie, which is that I don't understand a thing. I felt insane watching this movie because this is a movie for the public. It's not supposed to be like (laughs) you can't see Mission Impossible unless you have a graduate degree, which, by the way, Caitlin does. Don't know if you (gasps) know that. Jamie, you know that I hate to bring it up, so thank you so much for bringing up that I do have a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University, but um, yeah. I I took the Mensa exam the other day, failed, (laughs) and it's because I don't understand what happens. I can't make make heads or tails of what happens in this fucking movie, and uh, like I was telling you, you guys in the elevator, like I I thought something was happening and I was like okay let me just check Wikipedia to make sure this is what is actually happening something totally different was happening that also <laughs> makes no sense to me this movie is for intellectuals <laughs> I'm, I'm literally too stupid to watch this movie it felt very bad no I don't think that's true I only barely understand what happens in the movie because I've seen it several times it doesn't totally make sense but so oh. your history Jamie with is that you I, mean, I watched it this morning it. Yeah. I watched it this okay. morning and I, I was bad I was like sitting so like you I didn't start watching the movie as close to my television as I ended. I kept getting closer because I was just like, maybe it'll make more sense if I get physically closer to this movie. Um, I don't I don't understand what what is Well, shall going I on? give you the recap, Jamie? And you maybe it'll help you understand what happens in this wonderful movie? Yeah. I think I, I but the, all that said, I think I liked it. <laughs> I just don't know what happened. Oh, sure. Well, okay. You're not wrong in finding this movie to be hard to follow you because have to be a literal it's certain. genius. <laughs> Mission Impossible is about Ethan Hunt. He is a spy who works for the IMF, which stands for the Impossible Mission Force. Is that it? I didn't know that's what it stands for, and I've <laughs> seen is... all of these. Yeah, that is what it is. Something like that. It's it's definitely Impossible Mission something. That's I think bananas. Force. Yeah. It... How do they recruit anybody? Right. Well, I think it's somehow affiliated with the CIA, but I also don't totally understand that because in the later movies, like the CIA hates the IMF. So like, who knows? Please don't at me and tell me. I wish to remain ignorant of this. But anyway, okay. So Ethan Hunt works for this like spy organization and he and his like team of people get assigned a mission. And among the team Mm -hmm. is um, 
That, okay, well, we'll get there. But um, first, it's um, Jim Phelps, which is John Voight's character, a guy named Jack, which is Emilio Estevez, and then Sarah, Hannah, and Claire. So this is the team that is gender, tasked. Gender parity on the team. Uh, yeah, Pleasantly exactly. Surprised. Exactly equal yeah. down the middle. It had been a long time since I saw this, and since the very first person I saw was Emilio Estevez, like for a second I thought, oh, is he the lead of all of these? I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Did I just super, super forget who is the main character in the gl- movies? Because it's just Emilio Estevez for about a minute, which feels like an eternity. It's I a glitched time. a little bit when I saw him, too, because I was like, oh, that would be kind of better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you pan up and you see his frosty tips. You're like, oh, he's a hacker. He's a hacker. Now I understand. Right. I, You know what? I, I was let down by the fact that he was not wearing tiny glasses, which is kind of the hacker's <laughs> uniform. He had the frosty tips. He didn't have the tiny glasses. He did have the black turtleneck. So it's like he was two-thirds of the way there. He went a little rogue by not having tiny reflective glasses. Well, people go rogue in these movies all the time. <sighs> yeah. Rogue. rogue. Nation. Yeah. Rogue. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, isn't that the name of one? <laughs> yeah. Rogue Ghost. But then there's a... There's a <laughs> ghost Nation? Um, ghost World. Uh, there is another hacker who I thought you were talking about, who we meet later on. The, named, yes, the second hacker. The second hacker. Right? <laughs> That's his character's name. Yeah. Hacker Redux. Okay, so this is the team. We've barely begun the recap. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So they are tasked with finding a bad guy who has a list of code names of spies. He has one half of it already, and he needs the other half to like actually figure out the identity of the spies. So they're going to basically get evidence that he's trying to steal it and then stop him and figure out who the buyer is and stop him as well. But as they're trying to do this, things start to go wrong and people start to die and everyone dies, seemingly, except for Ethan. Um, so then he has a run. Go, he... Ethan! Go, Ethan! President Ethan! <laughs> I just want to remind everyone we're rooting for Ethan because it's mm-hmm. hard to remember. So Ethan Hunt is Yay! the only one left alive on his team. So he calls like his pals at the IMF. And he's like, hey, Kittredge, who's a superior of his, he's like, something's happening. And he meets with them and Kittredge believes him to be a mole. And he's like, this whole thing was set up as a mole hunt. And it looks like you're the mole, Ethan Hunt. And he's like, no, I'm not. Your last name is Hunt and everything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe you're the one we're hunting for. I'm in the CIA. <laughs> you're like, oh, this guy's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ethan Hunt runs away because he's like, I'm not the mole, but I have to figure out who is now. So Ethan Hunt learns about this mole who's collaborating with an arms dealer named Max. So he's like, I got to go find Max and like figure out who the mole is. And there's this whole thing where it's like the mole is working with Max on this job that they call job 314. And then it is actually that the mole goes by the name Job and it's a biblical reference. Yeah. And then he's like, if you, okay. And then he gets sends distracting an, from an arrested development stance when they start <laughs> shouting Job all the time. You're like, huh. <laughs> and then Ethan Hunt sends an email to Max at job space three colon 14. Yeah. And it, that works. Can we That's talk about <laughs> the internet in this movie? The internet is the most compelling character in the entire movie. <laughs> it has the most charisma out of everybody doing laps around our Tom, the inter- the way the internet works. Where There's one point where it says, like, 
there's a window open that says internet and then he types in access yeah (laughs) and then it says like thinking i was like what is this is misunderstanding dial-up like what (laughs) it's like one of those old text adventures where it's like you're in a cave turn left and then you Mm -hmm. like but somehow it's hacking the internet both hackers talk about the internet in like a way that it's like oh whoever wrote this movie was just hoping no one would ask a (laughs) follow-up question because there's the second hacker i don't know what his name is because he comes in over an hour into the movie. Very cool thing to do. Uh, movie. Luther. Just introduce yeah. 500 characters, uh, hour 15 in, sure. But the second hacker, Luther, says in the same sentence, he says, like, mainframe, motherboard, hacking, access. And then Tom is like, well, we've got to figure this out. You've got. It's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I just want you to know that I just sent an email to max at job space three colon 14 and it did not work. An error message came up right away and said this address is not recognized. The CIA wiped them out. Yeah. It's clean. Wow. Or Scientology got involved. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this is this was Shelly Miscavige's email. and It's gone now. Do you guys ever when I see a Tom Cruise movie? I give him a little bit of credit for just not wedging Scientology into it all the time, even though he doesn't deserve any. You know, every time I see right. a movie with him and it ends, I'm like, oh, it didn't come up once. How about that? Yeah, yeah. like a little bit proud. There's moments where it's like, oh, he could very easily just break the fourth wall and start pitching us. He's got <laughs> yeah. our attention. Right? <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't use his platform to like hawk Scientology, but no, he he keeps a yeah. se- separation of church and career i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so the rest of the story is so he is trying to figure out who this mole is named job 314 this is where i get very lost so he meets with max who turns out is a woman how many times are they gonna do this twist the androgynous name twist yeah hilarious love it it's so cool great so he meets with max and he's like by the way max uh who's an arms dealer yeah i'm like an undercover spy and i'm gonna get you that list that you wanted pay me a bunch of money and reveal to me who job is vanessa redgrave is fabulous in this part yeah she's great yeah she's great but he basically just reveals his whole identity to this person. And then he's like, I'll get the thing that you wanted. This, you know, list that will compromise the identity of however many undercover spies. I think um, all of them. All like of every them. Every one of them. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Yeah. Yeah, just give me like $10 million and I'll get you this list. And I just want to know the identity of the mole. And it's like, that's not a good deal. But we accept yeah. it because, you know, we don't understand really what's happening. I also can't hear the plot over the sheer volume of dutch angles in this movie (laughs) you're just like i can't i have no sense of space or time oh god (laughs) so many vanessa redgrave does not i'm pretty sure with the exception of two or three shots never isn't in a dutch angle in this entire why i don't i didn't notice that very much this is a movie for dumb people There's only geniuses and stupid people will understand this movie uh, and appreciate gray, it. Us, us gray area people, there's nothing. <laughs> us like kind of smart people. <laughs> um, okay, so then he, he compiles this new team of people. Among them is Luther, the new hack, hacker number two. And they 
plan to infiltrate the CIA and, and steal this knock list of the list of all the names of the spies. And then they, they do that. And that this is supposed to be the impossible mission because how do you get in? There's like, there's a voice activation. There's a retinal scan. The room, if it increases temperature, if there's any pressure on the floor. Hacking, 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 hacking. <laughs> so all this stuff happens. They get the knock list. Then it's revealed that Jim Phelps, John Voight's character, was the mole all along and he like set everyone up and and him not dead at all him not dead at all and his wife claire who does come back i forgot to mention um and helps ethan hunt in his impossible mission ethan hunt gropes her and then she's like i'm sad john voigt is dead and i'm like why were you dating him but then they were married they were yeah oh god i was just like i mean of all the uh, (laughs) uh, there you have to suspend your belief a lot in this movie but the fact that she would date john voigt who in this movie that is 20 years old is already 500 years old (laughs) it's just a lot (laughs) i did and they introduced that marriage very early on and that was it was like an estevez thing where i was like okay so it's a fake marriage right like it's definitely she's she's never part of a scheme and then no actual marriage like that's real everything else is an illusion right yeah. The one moment for the Claire character that I was actually very, I was like, oh, this, that was a good acting, beasting. Uh, <laughs> she, when she pretends to find out that John Boyd is dead, she goes, Chuck is dead. And I was like, oh, she's so sad. She did love him, even though she never sat near him or spoke to him on screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so confusing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the end of the story is basically uh, Ethan Hunt um, confronting John Voight's character and learning that his wife, Claire, was like a double agent and had like crossed him. And then she gets shot dead. And then he has to like prove to Kittredge that he's not the mole. He's like, here, I found the actual mole. There's a whole helicopter thing. There's an explosion. There's a train. There's the glasses. There's the John Voight mask. Right. You're wearing John Void's face, and then you're not, and that's exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's an underrated part because it's they convince Claire to go in a train car, and then Tom Cruise masked as John Void is waiting for her, and then after they speak, real John Void immediately pops out from a closet, like yeah. two feet away from Tom Cruise. So for an indeterminate amount of time, real John Void was just watching, watching. fake I didn't John Void from very close quarters. Why it's great. Why would you do? And also, yeah. why wouldn't Ethan Hunt, like, sweep the room and make sure his enemy, John Voight, isn't hiding in a closet nearby? Who made yeah. that mask? And how were they able to do it on such a quick turnaround? Well, the later movies show the mask-making process, and oh, it's really scary. eye-opening. Wow. Yeah, this this franchise is, like, obsessive about masks. They're way uh, into there's it. Always, and it's the best. We'll talk about this uh, a little later, but there's certain, like, recurring things that happen in every Mission Impossible movie. I'm down for that. I mean, a, a goofy rubber mask reveal is always very fun. Mm-hmm. There, It's not as effectively or tastefully done as it is in The Master of Disguise, which is one of my favorite <laughs> movies, where James Brolin rips off a mask of Bo Derek and the audience stands and cheers. James Brolin is in that movie? <laughs> yes. Or Josh he's... Brolin. No, James Brolin, oh the old one. <laughs> he plays Dana Carvey's father. Dana Carvey's 46 in that movie, but the, <laughs> but he, his character is supposed to be 23. It's wild. Oh, my gosh. How dare he? Anyways. Well, anyway, so that's the, that's the story of the first Mission Impossible movie as far as I can explain it. Um, let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment. Me. 
Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next-generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Hi. Hello. So Mission Impossible, there Sorry, are... can I just rip off my John Voight mask really oh, quick? Please. It's <gasps> getting very hot. John Voight, I thought that was you, but it turns out it was Jamie Loftus. No, John Voight is actually out on the balcony. He'll come in now oh. and we'll have a confrontation. Right. <laughs> As we hinted at during the recap, it seems like there's like a, a parody within the team. At the beginning. At the beginning of the movie, where it is three men and three women, but... Once they all die, because they all die <laughs> uh, within the first like 20 minutes, except for, well, Claire comes back. But um, basically, two of the three women die, two of the three men die. So we're left with Ethan Hunt and Claire is like kind of the main players right. um, in the movie. And then it was, was President Ethan, <laughs> was he dating Hot Lady with the Red Lip? Was that like a thing, or were they were just, or were they just pretending because of spies? Do you know what character you're talking about? Oh, Kristen yes. Scott Thomas. Yes. yes. I don't think they were dating. I think it, there's a very classic spy move of the two of us need to pretend to make out. So there's a reason we're just in this alley right. watching somebody. I think they were just doing that. So mm. they were just okay. Because yeah. I was like, I don't know how attached we're supposed to be. Because then they're just killed. So it starts gender parody, and then. 
<laughs> becomes the opposite as the movie goes on, which right. is great. Because which is great. Pretty much all the new characters who are introduced, aside from Max, is a man. Yeah. Because then we meet Kittredge, we meet Luther, we meet Krieger. Because I was like, when I was first watching this, I was like, I didn't super remember it that well. I was like, oh, wow, is there going to be a bunch of women in this movie? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Forgetting that they almost all die right away. <laughs> Also, I realized, like, oh, what a par- what a gender parody on the team. But then I think they did gender parody so they could kill female characters to, like, create weight. You know, I, I think that's kind of why it's yeah. such a female team, honestly. Like, the- to give it, like, if it was an all-male team and they all die, it's, like, less feeling, maybe, is probably actor-producer Tom Cruise's opinion, I mm-hmm. think. It, it was pretty rough. And then he gets to have the moment with with Kristen Scott Thomas of like you wouldn't have that if that was an all male team of like oh we get a we get a kiss and we get a oh, I don't I don't like that they bring all the women and then they're like okay well we're gonna murder them but we're gonna bring the model back uh, and she's John Voight's <laughs> wife yeah <laughs> and you're, oh, yeah actually if he and a male agent did the fake out make out in the alley that would have ruled would have been great that would have been like, great. If that was their out. move. Like fake out, oh, make let's out. make out. Yeah, well, let's start that, a band what... called Fake Out Make Out. <laughs> <laughs> right, like what would he have done if the spy that he had been like paired up with was a man? And it just yeah, it feels gross that it's like oh well, she's a woman, so what choice do you have but to pretend to make out with her? And it's right. like no, right. which is something that happens a lot in these movies where in this one, the first one specifically. So uh, Claire comes back after Ethan Hunt thinks that. She is among all the people who have died on his team. But she comes back and he's extremely suspicious of her because he thinks maybe she's the mole or maybe the mole sent her. So he like pretty violently grabs her, rips off her coat, like manhandles her, pats her down. Grabs her boobs. Pats her down in a very like sexually aggressive way, Mm -hmm. throws her on the bed, gets on top of her. She's crying. He's like, who sent you? Who sent you? She's like, no, like, this is the rendezvous. We're supposed to, like, meet at 0400, da-da-da. He's screaming at her. His face is, like, inches away from hers. And it's like, take away the context of the scene and just look at the image. And it could easily almost look like a sex scene where he's, like, they're on a bed. He's on top of her. So it's making what's, very like, a very violent and angry moment and sexualizing it very heavily for no reason. Yeah, it's and also keep in mind he just screamed at her that her husband died. Right, he's like your husband's dead, and then he like kind of attacks her, and we're like, what, what is happening? And then the way that that like bothers me with, with this genre of movie in particular is that we see this scene and it is aggressive. And then later we find out that she's lying and that she's like a double agent. And so that sort of to an audience member justifies like, well, it's okay that he did that because she was lying. And Mm -hmm. she's a bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then, well, another interesting thing about the Claire character is that so because she was married to John Voight's character, we find out that that's what's motivating her to help Ethan because as far as we know in the beginning before we find out that he's alive and that he was lying and he's the mole and that um, she's also like collaborating with the bad guy. Her being married to him is what's motivating her to help Ethan, which is like a reversal of a trope that we usually see where it's like, 
my wife or my daughter. So his it's, wife. It's yeah, his wife. His wife. <laughs> so for Claire, so we're seeing instead my, my husband, basically. Right. My, my husband. My husband. <laughs> Ethan. Which. Help me. I don't, I don't know how interesting that is. It's certainly like a role reversal, but it still feels kind of tropey. I think it does. And also it it ensures that her character, for most of the movie, as far as we know, her motivation is strictly tied to two men. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's also sort of implied that she, you know, it's like that she's at the end, John Voight basically speaks on her behalf for a whole scene and is like she was just seducing you she doesn't think you're hot tom cruise i was like what the? she thinks i'm, I'm hot. hot john void <laughs> like the twist that's the real twist of the movie <laughs> but it was like basically he he's saying and she's again one of those my favorite action movie tropes, which is the woman can watch the last scene of the movie, but she cannot participate. Um, so she's fully audience, and sometimes she'll be like, Ethan. But John Voight is just stating what her double agent thing was when she easily could have. Mm-hmm. And is also like, I sent her because she had to seduce you. Like, that was clearly what his character saw the value. And then he's, what was that thing he said about, like, I got I got a taste of it or something oh, yeah. disgusting like that. Yeah, it was that. some gross thing like uh, I, I've tasted I, the goods. Or... The goods, yeah. <laughs> so I've tried the goods myself, and so I was like, "Oh my, God. she's there, you know, right? Like yeah. she can hear you saying that." Standing right there, but then he shoots her like two seconds later. Yeah, he's like, "My wife, who it seemed like they were on the same page and actually loved each other because they were working side by side. It didn't make sense that he shot her, right? Yeah. No. It or unless he's like, sense. no witnesses. Right. But even so, like, I don't know. It just, it, what had been established about their relationship is like totally negated whenever he shoots her for no fucking reason. Right. His character is confusing to me. Her character is also confusing to me. It, it sort of is explained at the very end, but we don't know why she's doing that job outside of her loyalty to her husband, really. We don't know anything about her. And then her husband kills her. Right. So I have a question about, did she and Tom Cruise hook up? Was that fade to black a suggestion that they hooked oh. up? Or did she just like lick his hand and then he was like, good night? <laughs> I... I mean, in real life, second thing, for sure. Uh... <laughs> I mean, this also, these movies, the few ways they're different from Bond movies, I feel like between Tom Cruise being the star of all of them and being the producer of all of them, and there's there's not really a lot of other carryover between them, like, it's basically James Bond, but asexual. Not that there's anything wrong with being asexual, if you are, but, like, there's no... I feel like Tom Cruise as a person in life doesn't know how to deal with women at all. And so it just carries over to the screen. So it's a James Bond movie where James Bond has no interest in women, but is just like doing the beats of it. You know, it's like like a a hot woman to be around. Bond, but I don't want to kiss. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Bond is like a womanizer, like always. But well, okay. I I actually, so because I watched all of the Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> yes. rag, I made a few notes on each one, and I just oh, great. basically um, some you know recurring motifs and whatnot. So for Mission Impossible Two, which came out in two thousand, there's basically only one female character in the entire thing, played by Thandie Newton. There's a scene where she and Ethan Hunt are in a bathtub hiding from like a bad guy or something, 
and he's on top of her and she's like actually i like to be on top so then she like wraps her legs around him and like flips them over so that she's on top of him she's then straddling him while she's like stealing some jewelry um are they wearing clothes they are wearing clothes, right. but there you go. They're, they're wearing turtlenecks. She is. <laughs> <laughs> she is using tools to steal this jewelry that are disguised as a makeup compact and a lipstick. You know, when you're a woman and you're like a thief or a spy, your tools have to be disguised as makeup. Those are the rules. Right. Because it reminds me of in this first movie, I feel like the famous thing is stealing the thing in the CIA vault and Tom Cruise floating over the floor. Yeah. Totally. And all three of the guys have very male jobs in it. And then Claire's job is to just squirt stuff into coffee. That's yes. right. Yeah. yeah. She gets the most boring shit to do out of ever consistently. In like a very, in, it's also kind of like she has to be like flirtatious because she's sitting next to the guy. They're like on the same side of the table. No one's across from them. It's like a really weird, they're just like sitting side by side. She like touches She's way too she close to him. him. He like looks up. She smiles at him and he's like, oh, a pretty girl smiled at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And in the script Tom Cruise wrote, Sure. Uh, the scene was probably like she uses girl powers to do it and like that's it like he doesn't know anything about women so he's right. just like their power is girl stuff like right. that's it note to self ask Nicole what girls do <laughs> and put in the script there it, yeah yeah sorry oh wait Could oh you... so there's a couple uh, my favorite moment of Mission Impossible 2 Anthony Hopkins is in this one and he oh, is trying... Voight busy I guess uh, no Voight dies at the end of Mission Impossible. I thought that I just sort of, is it bad that I sort of just assumed he would come back? <laughs> it seems like characters in this franchise can kind of just come back. I'm like, oh, he's probably fine. Well, I want to talk about that in a second. <laughs> yeah. But um, So Anthony Hopkins is trying to get Ethan Hunt to recruit Sandy Newton's character to like join the, their team because of her past relationship to the man that they're trying to get close to. And Ethan Hunt, who is developing a romantic relationship with her for no reason other than they need to see a hot guy and a hot girl kissing on screen, mm-hmm. um, he says, no, she doesn't have the training for that kind of thing. And Anthony Hopkins says to go to bed with a man and lie to him. She's a woman. She's got all the training she needs. It's like, okay, we get it, Anthony Hopkins. You've cool. been dumped. Jeez. Stop projecting. Honey. He just clearly keeps talking about one ex. Like, who's Beth? I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, really really quick. Um, the g- use of gadgets in Mission Impossible mm. is great. The gum impractical if you sat on that gum you would blow up (laughs) it doesn't make any i was like what if tom cruise god forbid put that gum in his back pocket he would explode (laughs) and then the glasses flip sorry Mm, anyways emilio did a great job also emilio in this movie and i double checked to make sure this is true for some reason elects to go uncredited in this movie his name is not in the credits He's uncredited. Why? He's in it more than a lot of people. Yeah, he has quite a few lines. Yeah, he's like really in it. Yeah, it's not just a cameo. He's uncredited. His death is so gruesome, by the way. He gets like an elevator spike to the face. It's like Final Destination. (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) So talking about your point of like recurring characters, Jamie, Mm -hmm. of all the movies in the franchise, it's always the same leading man of Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt. And there's quite a few recurring side characters who are, except for one example, 
all men because you have Simon Pegg's character who comes. I think he's introduced in the third movie and then he's in, I think, all the other ones after that. Yeah. Luther is in, I think, every movie or every oh, really? single movie but one. Yeah. He Luther keeps comes on back. Ha- he keeps... He's always hacking. Yeah. Jeremy Renner's character gets introduced later on, and he's in a couple of the movies. So it's several men, and then there is one character who, I think in the third movie, um, Ethan Hunt gets married. uh, To who? To, what's her name? It's Michelle Monaghan, right? I don't know if that's how it's Uh, pronounced yet. And then she shows up again in another movie, but only for like a split second. So it's really any of the notable characters who are recurring are all men and of the women who. So in the movies, there's usually one main woman. They're not really romantic lead because, yeah, he is often like kind of asexual. The asexual Bond girls. Well, like (laughs) they are. So. It's not asexual because they are usually sexualized in some way. And there is yeah. often like a, a moment where they either have like a flirtation or some sort of sexual tension. But there's like a, a female lead. She changes every single time in the movie. There's no recurring female leads. Usually as the movies go on, they stay the same age. But all the other like, you know, Tom Cruise and everyone gets older. Well, so, we don't. Tom Cruise could be drinking the blood of young people and could very well be immortal. <laughs> sure. We've all seen Interview with a Vampire. So that tracks. True. There being no recurring women in the movie, I feel like sends a message to everyone who's seeing this, especially the men, that it's like cool to be a, a playboy and it's cool to have like a bunch of different women. And whenever you get bored with one, you can just, like, dump her and move on to the next. I feel like the Bond franchise is much more guilty of this than Mission Impossible. Yeah. But it's still implying that, like, women can be replaced, that they're basically just, like, objects that you can cast aside and recast in a new movie. I want to see a movie about the island where Tom Cruise sends women when they turn 30. (laughs) I want to see a movie about all of Tom Cruise's former co-stars who he shipped off to an island on their 30th birthday. Um, Yeah, because that that is such a trope of this genre and of... I mean, but it it really spans all genres where rom-coms are often very guilty of this. You know, and historically, male entertainers tend to get more opportunities to do things later into their lives and are also just given... I mean, even John Voight's character in the first movie, the massive age gap between him and his wife... Uh, not yeah. not to shame anyone who has a um, May December romance, but this is fucking ridiculous. Like it's crazy. it's pretty much the o- often the only representation we see of like a hetero romantic relationship where it's a right. much older man. It's like if there is a movie with an older man as the lead, it's very rare to see his romantic partner be his contemporary. Yeah, she's almost always like. 15, 20, 25 years younger than him. And it's interesting because I think that these tropes in this movie in particular are kind of like it, it's very clear to see them because there is this whole kind of sexless vibe to this movie where you see these tropes and it's like they've plugged in all the like young woman dates old man, a hot woman interested in the lead, but it's presented <laughs> in such a non-sexual way for the male lead that it's almost just like this weird roadmap of like oh yeah this is how all action movies are regardless of whether it makes sense for the plot or the characters right because in james bond movies it's so knocking you over the head it's so sexual 
But th- this one, it's like almost like there's like a little bit of an uncanny quality to the way women are treated because it doesn't make sense in such a non-sexual movie right? <laughs> for women to be presented this way. Right. But it's yeah. just like, well, this is what we do in these movies. And it's just, again, it's very bizarre to me that he works in every of the movies. There's a spy who's a woman who he works with and who proves herself to be very competent. And yet, why don't we ever see her again? Sometimes, well, sometimes she dies in the movie. Mm. But if she doesn't, it would stand to reason because other of the like male characters who are recurring, like Luther and Simon Pegg's character and Jeremy Renner's character, like they come back. Why don't any of the women get to? Right. And this also got me thinking that so even in this in this first movie that came out in 96, a few of the main men are Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, John Voight. Three, like, famous, recognizable dudes who are still, even, like, over 20 years later, still famous, still recognizable. The women, whose characters' names are Sarah, Hannah, and Claire, I, off the top of my head, don't know those actresses' names, even though we just, I just said one, Emmanuel. Like, I've never, I don't know her. They might be sort of familiar faces, but I don't recognize them by name, certainly. And it got me on this, like, train of thought where... I wonder if lesser known women get cast in these parts opposite men because it's like, are they worried the women, like a more famous woman is going to upstage the man? You know what I mean? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe. But that varies from franchise to franchise for sure. as well. But in, in but this one, especially saying. like in the later movies, the woman who gets cast opposite Tom Cruise is usually familiar but not like a household name mm-hmm. like in yeah. ma- maybe it's like oh well they're giving like an up-and-coming actress her chance is it bad to say actress i feel like it's just actor an actor who's a woman uh her chance but i also wonder if it's like well like tom cruise doesn't want to be upstaged by like a woman just as famous as him. <laughs> i don't know this might, might be, be all pure speculation but i think this is true of and it does vary from franchise to franchise but i think this is actually pretty common for like action franchises like this i think that this this rule definitely applies to transformers this is that's the franchise that came to my mind where megan fox became such a big name off of that movie mm-hmm. and then she kind of got like blackballed <laughs> from that franchise because she was kind of like too big and was asking to be treated fairly and they're oh, like right. oh no we'll just get someone else yeah. yeah instead of treating you fairly and like your work has impact on this franchise we will literally just recast you yeah yeah i think because i think with a lot of these franchises too you can just see those hollywood machine parts moving of oh we just need a new lady need a new lady and then mission impossible it's sort of extra weird because i think it's also just partly driven with tom cruise the person being like he's probably bad at hanging out with women or like being around them like he clearly wants the exact same dudes on set every time around like this new one i think is the first repeat director but it's only been male directors it's mm-hmm. the same guys on the crew all the time. He just wants Alec Baldwin and Ving Rhames back all the time. <laughs> but constantly new women all the time, just mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, Tom Cruise, I mean, and and we just we just don't have time to unpack Tom Cruise today. But no. there's <laughs> when will there be time? You know, there's so many levels of fuckery to the career of Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise as he pertains to women. Shouts out to Katie and Nicole. Boy, they have to deal with some shit. Yeah. really bad you can read up on it if if you want but yeah i mean i would imagine i'm just shot in the dark here tom cruise probably does not want a, an actress who is 
his equal experience wise on screen with him because it seems like he has a pathological fear of being upstaged. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. That would be that would be another thing I guess. I will say I didn't know that Emmanuel Bayard is within a year of the same age as Tom Cruise. Sure, in this, in this movie, movie, when he is young. She is an age-appropriate person for him in this movie. She is not age-appropriate for John, John Voight, Voight, who, as I said, was born in 1896, if you can believe. John Voight was born in 1896. That's so crazy that he's still working. Yeah. Sure, it makes, like, yeah, she is age-appropriate in this movie, yes. but... 22 years later when this franchise is still going on and the Absolutely women who are, you know, cast opposite him are still, you know, 30. <sighs> so let's take a quick break and we will be back shortly. Woo. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, and Alex, you touched on this, is like that very iconic scene where Tom Cruise is like dangling on the rope, like suspended kind of in midair when he's, yeah. he's like trying to steal the knock list. That scene has been like spoofed, parodied, alluded to in like bazillions of things in pop culture. Yeah. One of them being Paddington. <laughs> 
but that's neither here nor there. But please go check out the movie Paddington and Paddington 2 if you haven't. Um, anyway, so it got me thinking about very famous and iconic movie scenes like this. I made a list, which will take probably too long to go through, but you can, there's like super cuts on YouTube of like, you know, iconic movie scenes or like famous movie quotes. And you'll find that almost all of them involve men, not a woman to be seen. Shut up. I know. There, wow. and, and if there is a woman to be seen, uh, it is usually in like a very romantic hetero context. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking like... You had me at hello. Right. She's declaring <laughs> her love for a man. She's sometimes, if she's in a Harrison Ford movie, chances are she's being grabbed by Harrison Ford and kissed forcibly. <laughs> God, I hate Harrison uh, Ford. Everyone's dream. Oh, God. <laughs> Push him out a window. But... <laughs> But I do. I want. Yeah, I believe it about the about the iconic scenes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. Um, Fortunately, I think we at least in the past ten years have more female action heroes to choose from, mm-hmm. which is great. But it's still, yeah. In in terms of the history of cinema, it's really just straight ladies kissing straight dudes, and yeah. sometimes they get a line. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> sometimes, if they're lucky, and sometimes you get Scarlett O'Hara shaking her fist at the sky, and you're like, "Oh, that's exciting!" But wait, she's a slave owner, so that's not good either. Mm. So, <laughs> movies are bad. <laughs> movies are not good. Oh, just a couple. So, going back to some of the other sequels, uh, a few things I wanted to mention, or just trends that I found, is that there's almost always a scene where Ethan Hunt does something to a female character that is not a sexual act, like hiding from a bad guy or like searching them because he thinks they're suspicious. But the movie always frames it as something very sexual because he isn't usually ever given a romantic interest in the movies. So like, you know, whatever director, producer, writer is like, well, we still have to have, you know, Tom Cruise fondling a woman on screen or who's going to want to see this? Right. He's like, I have to prove that I am a man who likes girls. And everyone needs to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't. His vibe is so creepy, and and not just this movie. Like uh, Top Gun, a lot of things from this era in particular. He, the way he deals with women is like very intense to me. Like it just seems really creepy. And and watching this movie, I started developing a fan theory that he's just like two teenagers in a long coat or something, and he like doesn't know <laughs> what to do, so he's doing bad things. It he's 5'4". Uh, he's one teenager oh, yeah. in a coat. And it is wild how just like such intense, insecure masculine energy is broadcast to the largest possible audience. It is fascinating. Sociologically, Tom Cruise's career is fascinating because you're like, he's so insecure about whatever. Who knows? He won't tell us. But but we all have to we all have to watch it. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And he's always running. Have you seen the supercut of him running? (laughs) No. There is an 18-minute long (gasps) video just of someone took all the scenes in every movie he's ever been in of him running. It's 18 minutes long. Oh, my God. It's actually amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There's five minutes of Tom Cruise running in 2018 alone. Wow. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, you can watch like one of those Christmas log videos. Like it's just the same thing endlessly. It's kind of calming after <laughs> a while. Throw it on at a party. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, a few of the other um, trends I noticed um, is that there's often violence against both men and women in yeah. these movies. But often when a woman is killed, it's because she's been like captured and tied up and, you know, murdered in cold blood kind of thing. Whereas when men die, it's usually because they're like in combat and they're like fighting for themselves. There are a few exceptions where there's different agents who are like kicking ass and fighting. In fact, there's one scene, and I think it's uh, it's either Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation, but um, there's a woman who's, like, fighting a room full of bad guys, and, like, Tom Tied. Cruise is tied up, so, like, he can't help right away, so it's, like, her, like, kicking ass. Wow, and he's Mary jane Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow. And she has to, like, save him and help him. Um, so every once in a while, there will be, like, a role reversal like that, but for the most part, in these movies... Women are sexualized in some way very needlessly. They are often damseled. There are a few, you know, characters who come and go who are like, oh, yeah, she's pretty cool. She's a badass. But she, of course, isn't given a personality or anything like that. But so, yeah, the treatment over the span of this franchise of women is peculiar um, because they don't just entirely because some you know, action franchises, the women will just be damseled and she can't fight for herself. She can't do anything. Um, She's given no skills, no personality, anything like that. In these movies, at least there are like women agents who are like fighting and like doing cool stuff. And some of them are hacking even, and some of them are like, you know, doing this and that. But the the first, like in the first movie, at least it, it seems like Tom Cruise and John Voight respect the women they're working with, don't call their qualifications into question, mm-hmm. which is a low bar to set. Right. But in most movies like this, you know, you'd have that moment of like, can she really do her job and be so very hot? And then she has to prove it. There aren't those proving moments in this, in the first movie at least, but it's yeah. still, it, it's like they treat women like neutral to light negative. Mm-hmm. And and I think do what a lot of these movies do and what the vast majority of movies do, which is kind of just like forget about its female characters for large swaths of the movie and then go back to them when they need something sexy to happen. Right. But there's not really any character motivated reasons that we ever cut to Claire. It always has to be like, oh, a sexy thing needs to happen or... John Voight is going to enter the room soon. <laughs> like <laughs> those are mostly her cues, and so it's just like I mean, God, I I can't believe that Tom Cruise can't write a female character. <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, is he writing these at all? Is he? I I'm sure he he's would. he's probably like I need no, my character to them. do this move, this thing in this movie. But like, I have a, the fifth one and the upcoming sixth one, the director is his like previous script doctor on these. It's guy mm. Christopher McQuarrie. So okay. I think he I think he does the Will Smith thing where he has a script guy that he puts in. So he's yeah. not like writing writing it, but he's telling someone what to type kind of right. thing. Right. All this said this is a fun movie that does not treat women it's it, like it doesn't treat women well. It doesn't really treat women at all. Mm-hmm. It it is a very non-sexual action movie, which is unusual Yeah, because I feel like action movies so often tip into outright misogyny. This one doesn't because it just isn't – it's like this movie doesn't know how to talk to girls. Like literally this as a 
text does not know how to talk to mm-hmm. girls and largely doesn't. Yeah, it's in like the corner of a middle school dance. It's just like, what do I do yeah. like, all the time? I worked so hard on my outfit, but I don't know how to talk to anybody. But that said, because it just is like kind of awkward in the way it treats its characters a lot of the time, I still was able to enjoy it. I don't know. Like I, mm-hmm. I was like, this movie makes no sense. You have to be a literal genius to understand what's going on here. You That's have to not be able to hack true. into the mainframe. The, movie, <laughs> the, the story <laughs> is not well written and a lot like why would a arms dealer <laughs> want a knock list of spies? Like I, that just yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. sense. I kept so, Googling like, her job to figure out why she would need it at all right like, is she an arms dealer and a list dealer like she's just gonna flip it or yeah something? i don't get it and then she's why would <laughs> why would ethan hunt whose job is a spy and a huge part of being a spy is to not let other people know that you're a spy why he would he people tell he's a spy. max that he's a spy. That is a, that's a like, classic Bond move, too. He just like goes into a casino, and they're like, you need to do some detective work here. And he just walks up to people, and he's like, I'm James Bond. Where's the villain? It's great. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. You're like, oh, sure. Okay, I guess we're just going full dummy on this. Great. So it's not that you need to be a genius to understand this movie. It's that this story, I would argue, is not clear or that well written but the john voight mask rip really does make it worth the time the, the mask reveals especially as the franchise goes on are very fun because you're it. like this person that i thought was philip seymour hoffman is actually someone else oh, oh my god, god. Ethan, you got me again. I, I, I wish every time that happened, someone went, Ethan, come on. You're so crazy. Yeah. Where do you get these masks? If someone photoshops Mission in Parmesan, do it, please. Send it to us now. I feel like you've been holding that in for an hour. Just... The five seconds I thought of it and mm-hmm. then said it, it was real hard. It's going good, though. Oh, boy. Um, Does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie? Oh, real quick. I actually wanted to talk about the character of Max, who so before we see we meet Max on screen, Max is talked about a lot. And the pronouns that are used are he because everyone assumes that Max, the arm dealer, is a he. And then there's a big reveal that whenever we meet Max on screen, it's actually a woman, which we've covered here and there on the podcast before where it's. I don't know how commonly recurring this trope is, but it's definitely a trope where, you know, a a character who you thought was a man, (laughs) surprise, either they they take off their mask or they, you know, take off their helmet or whatever, or, you know, we just meet them and it's actually a woman. It, It bothers me that, like, someone's gender is, like, used as a big surprising reveal, but it also might be like providing commentary on how gender normative everyone is where it's like oh this person who's a an arms dealer or you know driving a motorcycle or a doctor who you think might be a man just kidding a woman can be those things too yeah it's a shitty reveal and it's recycled over and over and over i feel like most commonly in a movie like this but sometimes it's kind of crosses genres as well mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how much there is to talk about her character aside from that because 
She's just sort of there being a plot device, essentially. She's pretty much given no characterization. And also what she does want makes no sense because, again, she's an arms dealer. I don't understand what her situation is. She's just like, I think it's one of those situations. That it's it's not quite Walken and Gigli, Uh But <laughs> sorry, that's a really highbrow reference to Christopher Walken's one scene in Geely. It's not quite <laughs> Walken and Geely, where it truly appears that the actor in question was told they would be given an amount of money to wander on set <laughs> and just hold a cup and be like, here are some words off the top of my head. But... There is a quality to Vanessa Redgrave's part where it's like she's sort of just acting like herself or like kind of a caricature of herself of like a very posh, like smart woman who isn't going to tell you everything, you know, like her character doesn't make a ton of sense. I no. am that said, I am glad she's there. I, I love her. I yeah. love her. Her scenes with Tom Cruise are weirdly be, I think it's because they're so non-sexual. That's why they're compelling. I'm just like, <laughs> how does Tom Cruise view this woman? Does he think of her? How does he? It's very unclear. I think a more interesting movie than this one would have been an exploration of an arms dealer who's a woman and what that life is like. Like, is she taken seriously by her buyers and other male arms dealers? Let's explore that. (laughs) Let's unpack it. Yeah, because if she, we never see her like knock anybody's heads together or anything. So clearly, she did a lot of that before, and that would have been really exciting to see. Right. Oh man, you know, like nobody gets to that position without enforcing first. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the origin story? Let's... I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that, that's a, none of the characters here are well written or really make any sense. Yeah. So. And that's why it's a good movie. <laughs> that's yeah. why I love it. Dang. <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird movie. Uh, it's just a weird movie. Tom Cruise is a is a weird man. He's I, got terrific teeth. Tom Cruise is problematic as hell, but yes. I honestly quite enjoy him, and I like a yeah. lot of his movies. He is an actor who leads with his teeth, which is <laughs> wild. Like if you watch Tom Cruise act, his teeth somehow are first. Like you know, like some people lead with their hips. Sure. Some people lead with their but Tom he's just like going into every role tooth first. Tom, chances yeah. are Tom Cruise is running toward you or run, running somewhere. <laughs> teeth first. Teeth shining. I think he just has one gigantic tooth and then draws in the lines every morning. <laughs> he's a complicated man. Look, this movie, the first Mission Possible movie is not that great. I have never seen any of the um, TV shows, so I don't really, I'm not at all familiar with the source material. My but understanding I is that it's kind of goofy. Yeah, it's just, I'm sure it's like campy 60s, like super camp kind of thing. But as the movies go on, they get better and better. I think Ghost Protocol might be my favorite um, I liked three enough to buy it on DVD. Mission Impossible 2 is objectively a bad movie, but the rest are like pretty, pretty decent. And I think easier to understand. So like, I think the first one and the first two are just like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan. Cut it out. <laughs> but I think they get better as they go on. But um, yeah, so this is a franchise I enjoy when I'm not looking at it through the Bechdel cast lens but when I am doing that you know it's not uh, hard to see that uh, this franchise does not treat women especially well. There are certainly franchises that do a much worse job Um, there are some that maybe do a better job but an action franchise you'd be hard pressed to find one that like is a feminist 
masterpiece because I can't think of any off the top of my head that are. <laughs> well, there's the uh, alien. That's true. Yeah. I mean, there, there are like good female action heroes, some of whom we've covered on this very podcast. But as far as this particular formula goes, where it's like a male action lead, which is 90% of them, I'd be interested if any of our listeners could come to us with a male action-led franchise that has female characters that are treated well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because certainly, yeah. like, as we discussed already, Bond does not do a good job. Real bad. Um, Real bad. Indiana Jones does not do a good job. Real bad. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, action franchises have a long history of not treating women well. Speaking of, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? No. Not uh, even close. (laughs) Women don't even make eye contact in this movie. It's crazy. And it really, and like I wrote down, I was like, this scene where they're all (laughs) prepping, this scene where they are prepping the scheme is like the seven minute mark. I was like, they are going to have women talk to each other. We're going to get it. And then they don't. And then there's never even two women in the same room again. They really tease you at the top. Yeah. With like, uh, uh. They don't even look at each other. I went back and rewatched the scene partially to check out Emilio's tips, <laughs> but mostly to see if women even look. They, they don't even look at each other. They, there's no acknowledgement. It's mostly Tom Cruise being like, can we get a cappuccino machine in here? My name's oh, Ethan, man. and I want a better coffee than I have. And then <laughs> and then he, John Voight's like, yeah, my wife made that coffee. And then she's like, I made that coffee. End of scene. Yeah. Yeah, because if people haven't seen this movie in a while, it's like Tom Cruise trying to do what he thinks adults do at work when they joke around. Yeah. It is really, really real weird. It, or grown up. It's yeah. really weird. Like, he, like, flipped through some Dilbert and was like, this is probably it? I yeah, don't know. they talk about cappuccino, yeah. a boss, a room? <laughs> <laughs> Good enough for me. My name is Ethan. <laughs> so let us rate the movie on our nipple scale, where we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women, zero to five nipples... I'm going to have to give this one, I think, like a one. And maybe that's even being too generous. Like, I, re- I had such high hopes starting out because I was like, oh, three of the six people on this team of spies are women. Like, yeah. this is going to be dope. And then they pretty much all instantly get murdered. So it's not the feminist text that we were all hoping for. The women who do survive and don't get murdered yeah, their motivations are not totally clear or they are attached to a man. They aren't really given much cool to do on screen. Like we already talked about uh, Claire, like when they're like going in to steal the knock list, she just has to like look cute in a red dress and poison a guy. And that's like pretty much all she gets to do. And other than that, yeah, she's either like groped by tom cruise or screamed at or she gets shot by her husband so that still <laughs> makes no sense that that would happen and then with max like i don't understand why she's in the movie or why an arms dealer would want this list and why it's just it, none, none of that makes any sense to me so <laughs> yeah the women who are in the movie pretty much don't make a whole lot of sense and overall, the movie just does not treat women well. The franchise does not treat women especially well. We are not surprised by that. But 
maybe Mission Impossible Fallout will do a better job. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how the Mission Impossible franchise is going to tackle the Me Too movement. <laughs> that that's really the text we're waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, as we often come across, this is an extremely white movie. You yes. know, very hetero, everything like that. Um, in fact, the I I had to watch the first scene when they're introducing all the members of the team. I had to watch that like three times because I was like, okay, wait, which woman is Sarah and which one is Claire and which one is Hannah? Because they're all yeah. three white women who look very similar. They all have the same hairstyle. Who and who gave them all the same hairstyle? I, I had no idea who was who. Yeah. And until two of them died and I was like, okay, this one's named Claire and she's still alive and okay. Like, I don't know, maybe put some diversity in your movies and you wouldn't have to tell so many fucking white people apart. Anyway, (laughs) so yeah, let's go down to a half nipple. And the half nipple I will give to Max because I like that actor. I guess I'm going to give it one. And and this is almost an unfair yardstick to be using, but put against comparable series, it does not abuse women. That's true. To the same extent that most franchises in this genre that are equally successful, but that's such um, an, a such a low bar. <laughs> but I but I think that it, that is worth noting as it pertains to this movie because it does like it does make a difference in the way you you view the movie. That said, this movie just like doesn't know how to talk to girls. Uh, the groping is absolutely unnecessary. The way that that character is spoken for while she's in the room and then killed in the last scene is like borderline ridiculous because it doesn't make sense uh so not only is it not based in reality from a gendered standpoint it is also very bleak Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean I, i think of the few merits this movie has it's nice to at least see female characters in an action series whose skills aren't constantly called into question Mm -hmm. i think part of the reason that is though is because they're not given that much to do and or they are all killed at the beginning of the movie which again yeah that first scene is just like so frustrating because it's like oh we've got almost a movie here and then we i I think alex you're totally on the right track with being like well there's gender parity at the beginning so you can see a lot of women die yeah and have emotional stakes attached to that Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird. Like this, there's just like a weird uncanny valley quality to the way this movie deals with gender because I don't think it knows how because Tom <laughs> Cruise is involved. Um, <laughs> so I'll I'll give it you know I'll I'll give it one nipple for the women that are there. None of the characters make sense, but the female characters in this movie don't make sense and don't have any existence uh, outside of the male characters that also make no sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll give one nipple and I'll give it to Alfred Molina because (laughs) I think that he really could have shown up in this movie in almost any part uh, in an effective way. I would love not to, you know, but if Emilio really didn't want to be credited in in this movie, Freddie would have taken the credit. He would have taken the credit. He would have hacked the mainframe. We don't get to see thick hackers a lot, and that would have been an interesting move. So there you sure. go. Mm-hmm. So Alfred gets mine. I would watch a franchise called Thick Hackers. Thick Hackers? It's like kind of my type. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I mean, you both nailed it. I Yeah, I would give it, I think, one whole nipple because, yeah, it doesn't go 
as overboard with brutality toward women as a lot of action movies. Like we said, incredibly low bar, but also it does a lot of things wrong, too. And especially, like, this was the least I've ever liked at watching it because I was thinking, oh, this was maybe much more feminist than I remembered. And then it super isn't all of a sudden. Like, it's just yeah. a sudden hard left turn. Yeah, I think if Tom Cruise could have gone and, like, just been on an island by himself and made whatever movie he'd want to make, it would be this movie with absolutely no women in it. Like, there are <laughs> only women in the film because he knows that's, like, a consideration that the rest of human civilization and the species wants and otherwise it would just be boys hanging out and that would be the entire thing oh, i can't wait for that franchise <laughs> yeah we could rename maybe 80 percent of movie franchises to boys hanging out <laughs> but there were sometimes boys hanging out with guns Ooh, yeah well alex thank you so much for being here oh that's great yeah Yay. thank you for having me of course yeah um where can people follow you online do you have anything you'd like to plug yeah, uh, my Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty. It's my name with a Y on the end. And then my website is alexschmitty.com. And that has show dates and other info and more. Awesome. Yeah. And the Cracked Podcast. Please listen. Please uh, listen. Best. Yay. Yeah. We're fans. Um, <laughs> you can follow the Bechtelcast on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Bechtelcast. You can subscribe to our Patreon. It's $5 a month and it gets you two bonus episodes every single month. Check out our website, Bechtelcast.com. You can buy merchandise from our online store there. Yeah. And you can follow me at Caitlin Durante on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Jamie Loftus Help on Twitter and Jamie Loft or Jamie Christ Superstar on Instagram because I don't play by the rules. That's right. <laughs> I'm You're a ghost protocol. Rogue nation. I'm a rogue ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a thick hacker. <laughs> this episode will self-destruct in five seconds. Hee -hee. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.